Oh, hello, and welcome to the final Show Some Respect, Tom Whitcomb is talking for 2022. It is a pleasure to be here for the final time this year, and you might be thinking, well, Tom, it's only mid-December. There's still two more weeks left in this year. Surely you owe us two more podcasts, and and to that I say, fuck you. I don't know you shit, okay? All right, that was a bit aggressive. I'm sorry, I, I'm flattered that you would want more of this, but uh, no, I'm taking, taking a bit of a hiatus, taking a couple of weeks off. I'm heading over to Europe, um, potentially spreading COVID throughout an entire Boeing 747. Um, I don't. I really don't think so. I'm. I've been so paranoid about catching COVID these last few weeks. If I caught COVID and it cost me my holiday, I would be. If if anyone, I did a show on Friday night. Did my little uh, trial show at Kinsella's. If any of you listening were at that show and had even the slightest cough that turned out to be the Omicron, and I get it, rest assured, I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to find out the names and addresses of all of your elderly relatives and immunocompromised friends and family, and I'm going to go and cough through their letterboxes just to retain some level of, of, of fairness. It's so... Un, it's so The idea... Have, haven't we all just totally abandoned any level of uh, vigilance against COVID in, in that everyone I've spoken to, I'm like, I really don't want to get COVID before I go to overseas. Like, yeah, I mean, it would, shoot, that would, that would be so bad, you know, having to have COVID on the plane. What, aren't we meant to stay at home? What? It's 2022. It's time for people to die. I'm afraid that's, they had, we, what we were, we said we were trying to find a cure. Or we were trying to find a vaccine that works. No, we were just giving them two more years of any, anyone who had a, 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 a uh, a respiratory disease or a, a lowered immune system, guys. You've got two years um, to enjoy life while you can. Inside, of course. Get onto Netflix. Watch Dark. Watch the watch the German Netflix show Dark. That's uh, that's a good that's a good couple of weeks. I think I already plugged that a few weeks ago, didn't I? Dark. What a great show. Fantastic. It's the end of a year. It's it. Where did the year? You know, sometimes this is going to seem like an aside, but it's relevant to me. Um, Sometimes when I record this podcast, I think, I think, um, do I have any right to be stand, sitting behind a microphone and sharing my thoughts? Do, who am I? Who am I to, to think that anyone should be forced to listen to what I think about the world? And then I listen to Triple J on a weekend for more than 10 minutes. And I think, oh, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm right to do this. Because there are people out there who are professional radio broadcasters, who our tax dollars pay their way each year to go on to Triple J. And I'm not going to name any names, but my goodness, I was listening to a Triple J DJ this morning who gets the Sunday morning shift, and I swear if it becomes anything more than that, I'm, 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 I'm going to cause a scene. He was so bad. It was so terrible. And look, I get it. It's hard standing behind a microphone by yourself. You know what's harder? Doing it for no pay. I mean, also, you, you just throw your words into the ether. No one's going to, no one's, there's no record. There's no permanent record of what this man was saying. And thank goodness for that. It would be a waste of the nearly endless data we have to store on the internet. It's still too much. 
Still too much to take up what fucking Michael Chow was going on about. I feel guilty using his name because now I've seen that uh, he has a podcast that comedian friends of mine have gone on. And uh, my guilt is equal parts. It might get back to him and that would I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. But mostly, be good to get on that podcast. I bet it gets more listeners than this one. Um, he was going on about... Wait, can't, still can't can't believe can't believe I'm not going to do his accent. His accent frustrates me too. There's a woman I work with as well. Just conflation of accents. There's this person I work with. Surely this won't come up. She, she has just lived in a lot of different places, and so her accent is like a quarter Russian, a quarter English, a quarter American, and a quarter pigeon. And it's so frustrating. Just pick. It sounds like somebody just jumping between poorly executed accents. Like, all of them sound wrong. Every single one of them sounds... I, you can't tell... Like, I can't tell if she's an American pretending to be Russian or Russian pretending to be English or an English pretending to be American. It just doesn't work. It doesn't... It's so... It, and it shouldn't frustrate me, but it does. Like, nails down the chalkboard. I can't handle it. Um, but where has the year gone? What a great question, Michael Chow. What a great question to, to, to bring up. Isn't that up, up there with my most hated questions you are sure to hear every single year? Where does the year go? Oh, hot cross buns already? That's one. I hate that. I hate, It's ridiculous. September and they've got Halloween candy out? It doesn't make any sense. What do you mean Easter eggs? We've barely gotten through Invasion Day. We should have, there should be more of a product. What would be a good product for Invasion Day? Because we've got Easter eggs, we've got candy canes for, for Christmas. I don't like the word candy either. I don't like that I've used it twice. And that's the first two times I've used it on this podcast and I, I didn't like either of them. Um, Halloween, obviously, we've got, I don't know, pumpkin stuff. Invasion Day, what would be a great, what would be a good snack? A good snack, because obviously it was the sausage on the barbecue, but... Uh, was a little bit too. We we it, we can't have anything that tastes that. I mean, I think white people especially. We need something that's gonna. We we can't have something that's too enjoyable. It needs to have a, a bit of a. It you know what it, it should, it should start tasting quite good and then have a really bitter aftertaste, um like you know off cheese. Just just at first, it seems like a great idea, but then once you have time to dwell on it, you you really start to question your decisions. That's. That's the spirit of Invasion Day, isn't it? I don't want you to think I have a political opinion on this. You guys, I mean, fans of the show might not know this actually, but my friends and family would. My birthday is on Invasion Day. My, my favorite birthday message last year, the real Invasion Day was the day you were born. Love that. That's good fun. Can't remember who said it to me. Hey, if it was you and you're listening, let me know because I would love to give credit where credit's due. Um, oh yeah, I was born on the most controversial white privilege day in the Australian calendar. You know... I was born and God told me, this is who you are. This is what you stand for and what you believe. It's a real shame. It used to be such a good day. And uh, now when I have a party, I need to insist to the people around me that it has nothing to do with the nation and everything to do with me. Been up this morning watching the uh, FIFA World Cup, my commiserations to English listeners, which... um, you know, it's the it's the one sporting event where I will support the English. Everything else, they can go get fucked. But for football, I'll do it. I do. Uh, I, have a, I have a soft. I have a soft spot in my heart for the English, and it's the one. You know, 
I really don't, I don't understand why I don't get around the Socceroos. This whole World Cup, I didn't watch one of the games. And even when they won, I was a little bit disappointed. I think I hate... I've said, I think I've said this on the podcast before, which is there's nothing I enjoy more than a deflated home team. Like when you attend, when you attend a sporting event as a neutral, first of all, quick aside, if you don't like sports, what's wrong with you? If you're a, if you were a, a red blooded male who doesn't like athletic competition, I, we have nothing in common. We have nothing to, we have nothing to discuss. Um, I just, I, I don't understand how anyone, watching it this morning, it's so exciting, so dramatic, makes grown men weep. It's, it's the only, it's the only, you know, men are allowed to cry uh, at sporting events. I think men attend sporting events as an excuse to cry first and foremost, and everything else is just a, an added bonus. That's why you can cry when you win or you lose, because it's not really about the result, it's about what's happening inside. Um, but, uh... I just, I, it's the, it's the only, it's the only form of entertainment where ge- we genuinely have no idea what's going to happen. It's so exciting. It's the greatest. It's worth all the physical torment we put our athletes through. I'm trying to write jokes about this at the moment, especially. I mean, football's not too bad, but my two favorite sports are rugby league and mixed martial arts. My two favorite sports are coincidentally the two sports that almost certainly ruin the players' lives afterwards. So many concussions. It's only that NFL is the only worst one, I think. But um but I think I, I I think they do deserve it. Because otherwise you're just getting paid. You you know, here's the thing is on the surface, athletes are getting paid millions of dollars to play a game, which is ludicrous. Because we don't really need to pay if we could just I think if all sporting teams and codes could just come to a mutual agreement of this is as much as we're, we are only ever going to pay these guys maximum 200K. That's, that is the peak of every sport in the world, 200K max, that's it. You wouldn't even lose that many athletes because what are they going to do otherwise? Look at the NRL. What are they, they going to be like? Well, I guess if uh, I'm only going to earn $200,000 playing rugby league, maybe I will go to university. Maybe I'll get that engineering degree after all. No. It's like, well, $200,000, that's still three times more than I'm going to earn on this job site, so I might as well. That was so, so rude. So rude of me. My fucking upper middle class upbringing. You know what I would have given to be an, been an athlete? You know what I actually thought I could have been an athlete? when I'm talking when I was like nine when I was like seven, eight, nine, if you told me what I was going to do when I grew up, probably play for the Wallabies, I reckon. I know I'm one of the less athletic kids at my school, um, and I've had no interest from any sporting codes whatsoever. You know when you're like 12 and you find out that David Beckham got signed to Man United when he was seven? And you're like, what? Are you telling me that I should already know whether or not I'm going to play Premier League football? It's like, yeah, yeah, we all know you're not. I grew up thinking that someone at my school surely will become a professional athlete. There was one, one guy at, at I went to three different schools uh, in three different countries, and I know one guy who became a professional athlete for all of about three years. That's not true. It was a bit longer. In saying that, I do know two guys who uh, went on to date uh, Miss Universe contestants. And I think that, in hindsight, is a more both more achievable and uh, more admirable goal and 
pursuit. Because, so that, this is true, two people I know, two people I went to school with that I was like, I went to their house, I think are still currently dating Miss Universe contestants. Now, they are Miss Universe Philippines. I don't know if that, I, what's the, I don't even know what the population of the Philippines is. I think because everyone, you know, we need, a, you, you do need, I'm fairly sure every country needs representation in the Miss Universe pageant. So maybe it's less impressive. Uh, for it to be Miss Philippines. But still, I mean, heads and shoulders above more attractive than any woman I've ever physically touched. Not even sexually, just just, just brushed arms with. Um, no offense to my beautiful girlfriend, but I don't, I don't think even she would claim to have any chance in a, uh, even, even the lead up to the Miss Australia pageant. I, I, don't, I don't think that's her... I don't think that's her calling. Um, and it's. I feel like sometimes I say these things on stage. I'm so, I've got this thing on stage I'm talking all about, about, you know, people talk about marrying the most beautiful people, they, you know, marrying the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. It's like, well, that's just not true. Unless you don't own a television and have never been to the movies. You've just, that's just not. And I have a lot of, well, I'm not going to marry the most beautiful person I've ever seen. And that gets like a, an audible gasp of like, I can't believe you'd say that. Can we just all be realistic here for a moment, okay? Because I'm sure when I just said my girlfriend probably isn't going to be Miss Universe Australia, there are a few people going, oh, God, I hope she doesn't hear this. She's going to have her feelings hurt. I really hope not. I hope, because I think it'd be more, I'd be more offended if she was not smart enough. Anyway, this is, oh, God. That was a, the only saving grace is there is no chance she will ever listen to this. She's not a, not, not you know, she is a, She's a big fan of Tom Whitcomb, the person. I don't know if she's a huge fan of Tom Whitcomb, the comedian. I don't know if she follows me on social media. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, the English got knocked out of the FIFA World Cup today, which is a shame. But on the other, on the other hand, um, I'm going to be in France in a week's time. And if they make the World Cup final, I might be in France for it, which would be exciting. Because that's a win-win. Because if I'm in France, when France wins a World Cup, the celebration, just being around for that celebration will be unreal, would be so amazing. And if they lose the World Cup and I'm there, the schadenfreude will be off the charts. I, this is what I was saying before, a disappointed home team. The, 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 the ability to be in a stadium, I, I got halfway through this thought uh, and, I, and I bowed up before, being in a stadium... As a neutral observer, if you're watching a sport and you have no real stake in who wins and loses, and the home team gets beaten, that is as good... No, if the home team looks like they're going to win and then gets beaten, that's... Oh, tap it to my veins. What a delicious, what a delicious feeling that is. The, the watching people, the, the, you can physically see them deflate as they recognize that the win they thought was coming is not. It's such a, it's such a thrill. It is truly one of the, the great feelings. It's what makes sports worthwhile. Because I think especially, and, and maybe you need to be a sports fan to get this, because if you're a sports fan, you've been in that position and you know how much it hurts. The, the, the feeling of being in a home game where you lost and getting taunted by a, a small subset of, uh, of away fans... I mean, 
I'm not a violent guy, but in those moments, I understand. I understand the want to commit violence. Every now and then, I do find myself, especially if drink is involved, where I, I do just get the little spark deep, deep in my lizard brain of like, I'm angry. Someone else needs to feel how angry I am. So, so, uh, so I need to make someone feel physically as bad as I feel emotionally, usually about myself. Not for a long time. I just remember being a, especially like a young, I remember being in a, uh, I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before. I was in a nightclub in Croatia and I was so drunk. And when I get very drunk, like I, uh, I, I get very protective of my personal space. And I, I say protective, I get very... Um, I get very attached to my personal space. And when people invade it, I don't do anything, but I do get mad. And I was in this nightclub and it was shoulder to shoulder and I was getting barged around and I was getting very frustrated. And I was facing uh, another direction. I felt someone shoving me from behind. And I thought, nah, you know what? I was, I was doing these situations. I'm going to plant my feet and they're not getting through. That's it. F- they can f- and I planted my feet and I did not move at all. And eventually some guy taps me on the shoulder and says, it's a waiter. And I turn around and it's this guy holding a, a whole um, tray full of cocktails trying to get through the club to get to the VIP section or whatever. And so I kind of moved aside to let him through uh, very uh, unhappily. And this waiter turns around. There's the most effeminate looking waiter in his fucking little vest and everything in his little bow tie. And he, and he, and he slaps me. He slaps me, but not like properly slaps. Like he, he, all that moved was his wrist. He didn't, there was no elbow involved, no arm, which made it worse because for every ounce of less, every ounce less pressure he put into the slap physically, the more it hurt emotionally. And my ego was just through the floor. This guy literally, he, he literally, he, he like, I, like a, like a windscreen wiper at the wrist, just a little, just a, and it and and people, in my memory, in my memory, all one thousand people in the club stopped. The DJ turned the music off, and they all pointed and laughed. Now, in reality, I have no idea what happened, but I will tell you, I had a thought in my brain. It's like I should fucking kick this guy's ass, and uh, you know, I've never engaged physically with anyone in anything, in any aggressive manner. Not not in my entire life, but you give me twelve vodka cokes on a uh, Croatian bar crawl, I, I will believe in my ability to take on not only that very effeminate Croatian waiter, but the six to twelve uh, six to twelve security guards uh, tasked with keeping that club safe that evening. Um, and then I was just kind of, I just sort of stood there and then was pulled out by security staff and walked home. That's how those stories always end, obviously. But, uh, but in my mind, oh, some shit was about to go down. Um, God, I keep, I keep going around, so I can't, get, I can't get this fucking point out. The point is, I like it when people are sad and I am not. And that's why I like it when the Socceroos lose. Is that it? Is that what all was that? That that was a long walk for a very short drink of water, wasn't it? That was a, a long way around. So hopefully, France beat Morocco in the World Cup semi-finals. I'll be in France for the World Cup final. Um, either way, I'll be in France for uh, the World Cup final and the third place playoff. But what a fucking waste of time the third place playoff is, isn't it? 
I've probably lost anyone who's on a sports fan now, and good, good riddance. But why do we even bother with a third-place playoff? Congratulations to the best loser. Enjoy these bronze medals that you'll put in a bottom drawer and hopefully never look at again, especially if you're, like, a good team. Like, don't get me wrong. If Morocco gets a bronze medal, good. Take something home, for sure. Have a little souvenir. If you're France or Argentina and you're proud of your third place when everyone was expecting you to win, that is just pathetic. Pathetic. Unbelievable. So the same way that I don't pay any attention to the raw national final I was a part of, you know, because I didn't win, and therefore my contribution was null. Hey, a little peek behind the curtain. I recorded this podcast yesterday, and it was oh, it was so self-indulgent. I might as well have just masturbated on a microphone for 30 minutes. I just spent the whole time talking about it. I was like, I'll do a year in review. That's what I'll do. I'll, I'll focus on uh, the last year of my life. And uh, then I got halfway through. I was like, why would anyone give a shit about this? I finished it anyway, and I was going to put it out. But no, today I woke up, and I thought, no, nah, not not good enough, Tom. You can do it. You can do better than this. And uh, and this is me doing better, if you can believe it. It's um it's been fun. I had my last gig of the year on Friday. I did my uh, my solo show. It was meant to be a split bill with Andy Lucasio. Andy Lucasio got COVID and overestimated the ability of his immune system to fight it away. And in hindsight, I'm very glad he uh he tested positive on Monday. Thought by Friday he'd be fine. Still testing positive on Thursday. And said by Friday he was feeling the worst he'd felt the entire time. And in hindsight, sharing a stage with someone who has had COVID for six days, not not smart. Going back to my initial plan of uh, going overseas without killing anybody. That's what I was going to say. We have just really given up any vindication. That's not the word. Any conviction is the word I was looking for. We've given up any conviction to keeping people safe through COVID, haven't we? Because every, like I said this before, everyone... Everyone I talk to now where I'm like, oh, well, if I get COVID, I'd, I'd hate to get COVID before I go overseas. Because uh, in my mind, the end of that sentence is because I won't get to go overseas. I'm like, yeah, long flight with COVID, that would suck. Especially if you're sat next to anyone over the age of 70. That Because not only are you going to find it hard to sleep because you can't breathe, you can find it hard to sleep because you know you've just signed their death warrant. Because Surely, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like originally we were like, well, we can't, we got to stay inside because if we go outside with COVID, we might kill somebody, if not somebody, lots of somebodies. And now we're like, well, let the dead bury the dead. I'd say, let's. Uh, it's not really, uh, it's not really my concern anymore. You guys got your extra two years. Or I did spend a lot of time talking about this at the start, didn't I? The whole two year thing. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like if I had COVID now, I should probably not be on a flight for 24 hours. But um, hey, part of the reason that I'm doing this as the last podcast of the year, so I can't possibly perjure myself um, in the case that I do get COVID and I have to explain it or this time next week. Uh, well, I guess it just goes to show the pandemic's over, isn't it? It's just another it's just another flu. It's just another flu. The flu kills old people and, and so shall I uh, on QA2 on my way, Sydney to London next week. Oh, three flights. Three fucking flights. That's going to be brutal. Um, but it's exciting. Exciting to take some time off to get away. Last gig of the year, last Friday, as I said, it went really well. I thought I was going to have to do 30 minutes. When Anthony pulled out, I was like, fuck, do I have... I was stepping up to 40. I was like, do I have 40? Turns out I had an hour. 
I couldn't believe it. Could not believe I had an hour. Now, I obviously probably don't really have an hour. I was a very, it was a very, very forgiving crowd. Um, they let me get away with a lot, uh, which was very, very good of them. Especially, there was this guy in the front row. I've forgotten his name. I've met him several times now. He's come to a couple of my gigs. He's a good guy, despite the fact he was wearing a scarf in the middle of summer, which is very frustrating. It, I think we can all agree... Anyone who's wearing a scarf, anyone, you wear a scarf in Australia generally, I think. As a man, I don't know. You've lost my respect, but who am I? You wear a scarf in Australia outside of May to August, and that's broad. In my heart of hearts, I think really outside of June. I think that's the only month you get to do it to celebrate the end of the financial year. After that, there's no need. No need for scarf, no need for glove, no need. I mean, even the 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 amount of beanies I see in Australia outside of ski resorts really hurts my feelings. I just I think there's no excuse. Let alone from a lot of Triple J destined bands on stage. Just totally unnecessary. Um, but de- anyway, despite his, I, I probably shouldn't be quite as concerned with Scarf considering he was also almost single-handedly bringing in laughs for every single joke. It is amazing what a single laugher can do to a stand-up comedian because otherwise there is, the, the silence that happens after a joke is told is so confronting because especially for me where my stuff is so kind of like set up punchline, it's not like people who just tell stories where if you if you are a good storyteller as a comedian, it probably doesn't really matter if people don't laugh that much. Like, you want them to, but if they don't, it doesn't... People people get it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. For me, where I'm like... It's... It, it's dinner, 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 bah. That was me hitting the punchline, if you didn't get that. And then there's just silence. It's just like... Everyone... There is this, there is this dominant feeling of like, well, it sounded like a joke. He has stopped as if he was expecting laughter to fill the space, and yet nothing comes. Oh, I get it. He's not good at this, is, is how I think most people interpret that. You get one person laughing, it is just, it's almost just like the flashing please laugh sign on the David Letterman show of, oh, okay, signifies at least someone recognised it was intended to be a joke. Um, so he, he, really, he, he really brought it. And uh, yeah, I was amazed. An hour, an hour was uh, an hour on stage. I had a little bit more stuff up my sleeve. It was all, all new material. Nothing, nothing that was an ignorant. Nothing that I was doing before June of this year. Um, and look, a lot of it will change between now and next year. Next year, big year for me. Big festivals: Melbourne Comedy Festival, Adelaide Fringe Festival. If I make any money from either of those, potentially Edinburgh Fringe, if I can afford it, I would love to go and do it. Um, I need to find out. If I've got the show, if I feel like I've got a good enough show, I might think about heading over there. But um, in any case, I'm, I'm going to need your help. Guys, if you're still listening to this, I'm assuming you are committed enough um, to spend $20 or tell people about me. If you know anyone in Adelaide or Melbourne, or you are in Adelaide or Melbourne, please come to my festival shows next year. Oh, this is not the last you're going to hear about it. I'm probably going to drill this into you throughout all of next year, even after it's done. Even after it's done, if, if after the festivals are over and the ticket sales were low, I'm going to bring it up and I'm going to blame you guys. It's going to be very passive-aggressive. Um, I'm so scared. 
I'm so frightened. I have an 80-seater room in, in Adelaide, and I have five nights. I need to sell... Okay, I don't need to sell 400 tickets because I'm not going to. There is no way. There is just ze- literally zero chance. Um, there is more of a chance of England winning the FIFA World Cup this year having just lost to France. There, there is a greater possibility of that happening than me selling out five shows of 80 seats at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. However, I've been told if you get above 10, that's a win. Isn't that scary? Isn't that so frightening? Um, so I'm going to need whatever help I can. If you know people over there uh, who like comedy or who don't, uh, I, I don't, I'm not in any place to be picky. Please let them know. But that's next year. And with the last couple of minutes of this podcast, I just want to just take a moment just to reflect on the last year and the, and the role you guys have played. I mean, look, I'm going to presume if you're listening to this, you are um, in the upper echelon of Tom Whitcomb fans. Um, I know exactly how many of you there are, but I don't want to let you know that. Um, but uh, it's been a big year. Every Look, as far as comedy has gone, every year has been a bit bigger than the last. Last year was a big year for me as well. You know, my first proper comedy festival show. I think it was my first, wasn't it? Amoral was the first one. Melbourne Comedy Festival and Raw, getting that set on was unbelievable. It was a huge thing. It was something that I would wanted to do from the very, very start of doing comedy, to do that Raw show. And to get to do that was awesome. But this year, I ticked off a lot of stuff, you know. 40 episodes of a solo podcast, which might not seem like much, but i got to tell you, every time I pick up this microphone, fuck, it fills me with dread. It really does. A true anxiety. And uh, just, to, just to get those done. And f- to have you guys listening, it, it does mean a lot. To put out this special on YouTube and to get 50,000 views, that was very exciting. To do so many shows interstate, to go to Brisbane, to take my show there, to, to go down to Melbourne and open for Dan, to do Dan's tour all the way down the East Coast, to crack 4,000 Instagram followers um, when I was about 800 at the start of the year. That was, fuck, I did so much video editing. I hate Adobe Premiere so much. I'm so fucking sick of it. But this is my life now. This is what happens. Um, it's been a great year. It's been a very, it feels like it's been a big year, a big year of progress, a big year of achievements, um, you know, didn't didn't get that coveted Triple J breakfast host position. I thought I was a real shoe in for. I, when I found that Ebony was leaving, I thought Bryce and Tom in the mornings. It's it's got a good ring to it. Um, and sure, no one had ever even slightly considered that maybe I would be suited for it. And um, also, nor do I have any uh, skills or credits that would put me in the running for that. But I just thought I had a good feeling about it. I had a good feeling. Um, I thought the national broadcaster might want to bring on that comedian who went semi-viral on Instagram for having a big joke about uh, fat shaming and uh, Lizzo. I thought that would be what they were looking for, a bit of edge. a bit of Triple J is always looking for a little bit of edge in the mornings, but no, not to be. But despite that, it's been a great year. It's been a truly, um, truly excellent year. And, and thank you for any of you who have been listening to this, Shared my stuff online, watched my stuff, come to a show, whatever it was. It's uh, I, I, I know I wouldn't be able to do any of this stuff without the support that I've received. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for spreading the word. Thank you for telling your friends. If you have, and if you haven't, it's not too late. The year is still, there's still some time. And uh, hey, bring on 2023. Another big year. Another lot of opportunities. Um, uh, I reckon, here's my prediction, another pandemic. I reckon we've got another, I reckon we've got another one coming. I reckon there's a there's a lab 
in a different province of China that are doing some stuff they definitely shouldn't be, and we're all going to pay the price. And uh, as we all go back inside one more time, uh, maybe I'll maybe then I'll do two episodes a week. And uh, wouldn't that be wouldn't that make it all worthwhile? But on that gloomy note, I'm uh, I'm I'm going to sign off for and for one final time for 2022, uh, the the three two one. For show some respect, Tom Woodkin is talking in uh, in, 20, in in episode 42, 43, whatever it is. There's a lot. There is there's there's a lot. I'm gonna go uh, one point. Uh, one point goes to Harry Kane for missing that penalty against France this morning. I don't know. Again, I don't know if you guys are sports fans, but man, brutal. English captain misses a penalty from the spot. Tied, could have tied up the game. Could have pushed it to extra time, but no. Nah. Really fucked it. So he needs it. He needs that one point, and I, th- I hope I hope that clears things up for him. I reckon it will. Two points goes to... Uh, oh, I've, I've found... This is exciting. Presumably, if you're listening, you're big comedy fans. I've found my new comedy obsession this week. Uh, it, it feels like every city in Australia, the, com- the comedian... The, the, the comedy scene there have these sort of comedians who are cult heroes, cult icons. I think in Sydney... Guy called Dan Rath. You should go check him out. Dan Rath is hilarious. In Queensland, uh, it could be a guy. I think there's a guy called um, Ben Knight who was excellent. There's another guy called Damien Power who's a little bit more well known, but also very, very, very good. In South Australia, I believe it is a guy called James Donald Forbes McCann. I've been going deep into his YouTube channel recently. He's got a lot of stand up up there. He is so funny. I have had such a good time delving into his stuff recently. He has a podcast called the James Donald Forbes McCann Catamaran Plan, which is such a great name for a podcast. Uh, two points to, to JDFM. I've absolutely... Also, he's like... He's, he's, he's Catholic, and there is something so funny about conservative comedy. I, it's a shame about all... It's a shame about the rise of the Nazis really taking a bit of a... Uh, taking a bit of the shimmer off uh, what is otherwise just a really good time. Just, he's got, he wrote, someone showed me this poem he wrote. He just put out a book of poetry about women's footy. And uh, I don't know if you know my comedy or me personally, but you would recognize if you knew either of those things. Uh, right up my alley. If you have a big, big old swing at the AFLW, oof, I'm listening. Um, and uh, finally, with uh, the, the, the final three-pointer, for show some respect, Tom Woodcombe's going in 2023. I'm going to give it to my good friend, Dan Muggleton. Dan Muggleton uh, has been huge for me in my comedy this year, taking me on tour down the East Coast, which was awesome. Um, I spent a lot of time in cars, just the two of us, chatting about comedy. And on Monday, he had me open for him at his special taping at the Metro Theatre, two shows in front of 150 people. Uh, just great. Uh, so he's going to be putting out a special, I assume, early next year. Really excellent show. Uh, I'll be sure to keep you guys posted to to get you to check that out because it is really great. He's one of my favorite comedians in Sydney and uh, also just a, a really good mate. And uh, yeah, appreciate everything that he's done for me and, and go, go check him out. He's a good guy. But uh, hey, that'll do us. For one final time. How many fucking times am I going to say this? I've said it so much. We not, we all know it's the end of the year, Tom. That's just my version of where has the year gone? Oh. It's one of those drum pads I don't use. But uh, as we fade into the end of the year, maybe in 2023 I'll use a lot more of these. What do you think about that? (laughs) Yeah, it would be pretty funny. Um, Okay. With that, let's call it. 
Have a fantastic end of your 2023, a great Christmas, a great New Year's, a great Hanukkah, uh, and I will chat to you next time on Show Some Respect. Tom would come is talking.